Okay, so hello everybody. Here we are on chapter 42 in the Little Bit Out West podcast. And of course, as you all remember, we're going through the, the book that I wrote, which is basically it's my list that I made. And I called it, What Do We Know? So chapter 42... It's always dangerous to try to see God from our own perspective. It's dangerous to expect him to be like us. I mean, he is God, not a human being. But, you know, by the same token, he created us. And he became a man when he came to earth as Jesus of Nazareth. So, there are times when we should, and... Then there's other times when we should not view God through this lens of our own understanding. Since God has taken the time to explain to us who he is, if we do some research, we can get a pretty clear picture of who God is and what his will is. And, you know, obviously I don't have the room here to go through all of that for us, but I do think it would be good to look through a small window into what God has revealed to us about himself. We know, for instance, from 1 John 4, 8, it says that God is love. And we can know by other scriptures what love is supposed to look like. And even though our understandings are imperfect, we can still get a pretty fair idea of what that, what love and God are supposed to look like if they are the same. Now think about a mother's love. A lot of people think of that as being love. Or, for some, it's the kind of love that a man and woman have for each other, and they call that love. And, in addition, there's the kind of love that friends have for each other. And then, of course, there's finally the kind of love that is simply a preference over something else. For example, I love steak and eggs, or you love ice cream. If we were to think about the kind of person that God is and how he feels about us, I'd be willing to bet that most people are not sure whether or not God even likes them, much less loves them. Most people see God as a pretty stern taskmaster, loving us only if we do everything right. Either that, or it seems like many of us see God as someone who has this quote-unquote unconditional love. That he just loves us no matter what we do. And there are a few people who feel like God loves them, but only because he has to, like it's his job or something. You know, if he really could choose, though, maybe he wouldn't love me at all. Something like that. So for many people, the idea of a parent's love is pretty horrifying. If you had a messed up childhood or if your parents were messed up, the idea of God being a parent can be pretty terrifying. However, if you step back and give it some thought, you do know what a good parent would look like. God created parenting, and he knows how to be the perfect parent. A parent's love is kind and gentle when it's supposed to be, but firm and correcting when it needs to be. A good parent protects his children, and a good parent provides for the needs of his children. A good parent coaches his child, but doesn't abuse that trust. He doesn't do too much for the child, but he helps the child to learn without destroying the spirit of the child. Are you getting the point? Deep down, even if you were abused and mistreated by your parents and you think parents are bad somehow— 
you do know what a good parent is supposed to look like. And that's how you know you didn't have a good parent. The first step in this process is to understand that everyone is messed up in some ways. Nobody gets a manual to explain to new parents what to do, except for the ones like Dr. Spock, who they've pretty much shown over the years that he was wrong about more things than he was right. Everyone is a pretty rotten parent. The good ones did the best they could, and the bad ones, well, maybe they did too. I can tell you from my experience that every kid is different. What works with one child doesn't work with the other child. Frustration is the curse of parenting, and some people just can't handle the responsibility. It is what it is, and wishing it were different doesn't make it so. Having said all of that, God is the perfect parent, doing everything he created parents for. At some point, we're going to have to recognize that no human can do for us what God can do, and that the example of a good parent is only a shadow to help us recognize God when he treats us like children. Now that I've said all that, here's what I started out to say. If you're running through the house and you accidentally break the lamp, would your mother kick you out of the house and make you live under the bridge for doing that? Would a good mother break her children's legs for not taking out the garbage? Now, I suppose there are mothers like that, but we're not talking about those idiots. If a good mother would not do something like that, why would you think that God would do that to you? So that's the end of that chapter, and let me just finish it off by saying we have this idea of God that is just so upside down. I have an idea that those ideas were sown by the devil trying to discredit God in the world and in our minds. When you really start to dig into scripture, what you find is, is that the verses that have been pulled out to make God look like the bad guy just are wrong, completely wrong. I had a question this week from Shoshana. We're going to talk about that right now. Shoshana wrote me on Facebook and said, I have a question. After seeing this post, and she included a, a post that was by a relatively famous person, it says, I will not cause pain without allowing something to be born. And then it says Isaiah 66, 9. So Shoshana says, after seeing this post, I looked up the scripture in a different translation, and I totally understand why they paraphrased it this way, but is this really what God is saying in Isaiah 66? So there's a couple of problems with this interpretation, and you can see when you look at the verse that it is a private paraphrase of the verse. The verse says, Shall I bring to the birth... And not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord. Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith God? So what God is saying when you look at the actual verse is that he's not the kind of person that will bring you right up to the doorstep and then slam the door in your face. He's not going to 
cause you to be started into a process and then have that process end in disappointment. He's not going to say, here, you can have a baby and then not let you have that baby. God is saying he's not capricious. And if he causes something to happen, he's not going to change his mind and say, oh, never mind. The real problem with this post is that the interpretation takes the view that pain has a purpose, and it seems to infer that God causes this pain for some good reason. And I grant you, if God caused the pain, it would be for a good reason. But the reality, as we've discussed over these past few weeks on our podcast, the reality is, is that pain is not caused by God. And I go through this in quite a bit of detail, as you well know. If you start on the episode, Bloom Where You're Planted, I, I start talking about this quite a bit. You remember the verse, John 10.10 10 says it this way, the thief comes not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. Pain is killing, stealing, and destroying. Pain is never God's will in the terms of suffering. And we talked about that before, that exercise is different from suffering, even though sometimes they might feel similar. There's two kinds of suffering, and neither of those kinds of suffering are God's will. There's persecution for what you believe, and there's the suffering that you live in a fallen world with sin and rebellion. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Pain is part, suffering is part of those wages. Yes, if God caused that pain, there would be a purpose for it. But there's no evidence that God causes that kind of pain. The pain that you get when you're getting ready to have a baby is a pain of the process that was in birth. But, you know, that pain didn't exist in Eden. Pain is a result of the fall. God says in Genesis chapter 3 that the consequence of the treason of Eve was that there would be sorrow attached to the process of birth. And the word sorrow there is a word that means pain. Pain was caused by sin. Until we return to that place of being fully and completely in the presence of God, then we are in the process of living with the consequences of ours and everyone else's sin. This post illustrates what happens when we teach this idea that God does bad things for a good reason. It leads into these areas of error where we get these wrong ideas about God, and it dilutes our understanding of who God actually is. I really recommend that you read the book, Who's in Control, to see where I break this down and I take several chapters to explain all of this in much greater deal, detail than I can do here. What we need to take away from this, though, is that God is not the one causing the pain, and God is not going to bring us halfway through something and then abandon us. Those are the things that we need to take away from Isaiah 66, 9. That's what I think. Let me know what you think.
All right, that's the end of our show. Thanks again for being there. I really appreciate it. I'm going to leave you this week with a song. This is a parody done by the group Apologetics. That's A-P-O-L-O-G-E-T-I-X. Apologetics.com. Look them up. These guys are amazing, and they have a great ministry. And here we go.
Thanks again for being here. I appreciate it. It's good to see you. And uh, don't forget, rate and review the podcast if you get a chance. Tell everybody you know about it. The more the merrier. Have a good week. Bye-bye.